Before we start today's podcast, the Truth About Aging wish to acknowledge that this episode has been recorded on the traditional lands of the Ghana people. We pay our deepest respects to Elders past, present and emerging. We acknowledge the Ghana people as the custodians of the Adelaide region and that their cultural and heritage beliefs are still as important to the living Ghana people today. everyone and welcome to the Truth About Aging podcast. I'm your host, Kate Helmore. Each week we'll be unpacking your questions about the aged care sector, discussing how to age well, grow old and make informed decisions. Let's get started. Hello and welcome back to episode 11. I am very excited to have my beautiful friend Sophie Walkup on the show today. Soph is not only a good friend of mine, but she is an incredible aged care worker. She spent many years uh, in the sector, both running an aged care facility and also working in the community and being the regional manager for the CHIS program throughout uh, South Australia, Tasmania and Victoria. So she has a huge amount of knowledge in this space and also is someone that I just thoroughly enjoy sitting down and talking about some of the challenges of aged care with. I think you'll get a lot from today's episode. We did talk for a very long time, so it has been split across two parts. So today is part one. Next week, you'll get part two. But I really hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, it is absolutely my pleasure. So today, we are doing a bit of a Q&A session. Yes. Using all of your wisdom and knowledge to (laughs) share and help answer some of the questions that we've had come through on the podcast. Sure. So to start off with, one that we get asked a lot and one, to be honest, that I would love more information on too, Mm -hmm. is around some of the costs associated with residential aged care. I'd like to say the best place to get your information straight Mm -hmm. up is my aged care. I'm sure you've I've heard you harp on about it a lot. Um, It is your Bible of wisdom. So start off with just going to my aged care straight away. It will have everything that you need to know there. There's so many different fees, I feel. There's like, and all the different RADs and your DAPs and your basic fees. And I, there's a whole wealth of them. There are. So at the end of the day, if you're able to pay, so we're just going to assume in this instance, if you're able to pay, um, you have to pay for a room or a bed. Mm Mm-hmm. You can do that via three ways. (laughs) So you can do a lump sum, Mm -hmm. which is called a RAD, or you can do a daily payment, so a daily accommodation payment, Mm -hmm. which is a payment per day. So a RAD, for example, is rooms may vary from $400,000 to $800,000, and that that is your home. So you pay that up front? You can pay that up front. But, for example, if you can pay $200,000, you can do a RAD DAP where you give the $200,000 and that will reduce how much you pay mm-hmm. on a daily fee to essentially subsidize gotcha. that. So, so I'm just going to break that down just for a second for those playing at home that aren't familiar with RADs and DAPs. <laughs> so your RAD <laughs> is your refund accommodation deposit. Yes. And your DAP is a daily accommodation payment. Correct. So gotcha. the way to look at it is you are paying for a room. That money is there. That money isn't given 
to a company or a facility. It's not their money to take away from you. So that money is there for as long as you stay within the facility, Mm -hmm. for as long as you're alive. However, that money is still owed back to your estate. Gotcha. So it's never taken away. So just say, you know, granny goes into a home, she pays $600,000 for a room. You haven't lost $600,000 from her estate. It means that she has put that deposit down so she can live there. She can live well there mm-hmm. in the last stages of her life. And then if she passes or if she comes back out, that money comes back to her estate. Gotcha. The full 600000 Exactly. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Nice. And so daily accommodation payment is just a different way of paying that. Correct. Again, one thing I'd like to preface that no one should give financial advice, please. I am <laughs> not I a am, financial I am advisor. I'm not a financial advisor, <laughs> nor is Kate, nor is any facility. So realistically, no one from my aged care, mm. no facility, no provider, no aged care provider essentially give you or your family any advice on your particular mm-hmm. situation on finances. So the best thing to do is to go see a financial planner uh, or an expert around aged care. Mm. So you can pay your full rad, so the full chunk yep. up front. You can pay the daily accommodation payment, your DAP, each day, mm-hmm. or you can do a bit of a combo. Correct. Okay. I think I get that. Yeah. And I totally – I get why, you know, when you're making decisions about mm-hmm. selling the family home or liquidating whatever assets you've got, it makes sense that you want someone with those qualifications to actually help guide that decision making. I cannot, I cannot stress enough, even if it is a bit of a stretch for your family – Really getting that professional advice around people who can um, give you a well-rounded and professional yeah. review and advice yeah. on, that, on that matter. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Okay. So I think probably the biggest part, I think, or the clearest thing for me to come out of that is that if you have assets mm-hmm. and you're going to have to be paying a RAD or a DAP, mm-hmm. getting a professional financial advisor's opinion is probably the best thing to do. Correct. It is all very tricky otherwise, I think. <laughs> I think particularly when it comes to emotional decision-making in terms of being faced with selling your house or liquidating assets, mm-hmm. I think it just makes sense to have someone's external opinion on that. Exactly. That can, is trained to provide that really holistic financial advice that looks at all different parts of your future. A hundred percent. And anything to do with residential aged care, should be a discussion with your family mm. and extended family first and foremost. So have those discussions early on. Have those discussions about your wants and your needs and what, you know, is best for you or best for the situation because we know that um, family and money and anything to do with medical care and family and emotions can make yep. for a really tricky and messy situation yep. and that's what 100%. we want to avoid. I think I am. Always harping on about that in the podcast, (laughs) conversations and being on the front foot with this stuff is just the best possible way forward. It's always going to be hard and it's always going to be tricky navigating that. But the more open you are with communicating that with the family and clear about what your wishes are, the easier it is when you get to that point when you actually have to make a decision. Am I going into care? What is this going to mean financially? Exactly. Yeah. So that's kind of the, if you have the financial means, that's part of the payment. Mm Mm-hmm. It's different for a concession. Mm-hmm. So a concession is someone who has an income below $28,100.80 mm-hmm. and assets below $51,000. Mm-hmm. And then anyone who is not a concession is anyone with an income above $70,827 mm-hmm. or, this is where it gets different, or assets above $173,000. And $75. Yeah. So 
Then you also have the basic daily fee, potentially a means-tested fee, and potentially an accommodation or service fee. Correct. So you have means-tested care fee um, similar to home care or community care is a contribution that someone pays towards the cost of their care determined by a means assessment, which Mm -hmm. is based on, again, government guidelines, Um, and then the basic daily care fee, which every single person has to pay if they are a concession or they are not a concession, which is 85% of the pension. Yeah. The basic daily fee, that 85% of the pension, Mm -hmm. is for everybody, Mm -hmm. regardless of what your financial status is. Correct. I think the key part here, though, is if you are a full pensioner Mm -hmm. with assets below the figures you mentioned before, every facility has to have some concession beds, some fully government-subsidized beds. Correct. 22%? Correct. 22%. So So you're not – it's obviously set up to not disadvantage people that don't have the financial Mm -hmm. means – they have to have beds available for people that cannot afford to pay otherwise. So, 100%. So that's, yeah, well, that, that's a lot of information about the fees. <laughs> I, I guess to kind of summarise it, and I am going to put a little like infograph around this as well to try summarise it a bit more. If you can afford it, there's the RAD and the DAP that you pay. Mm-hmm. If you are a full concession, you don't need to worry about that part of the payment. Mm-hmm. Then you also have your basic daily fee, which everybody pays, a means-tested fee for those that aren't concessioners, and potentially a service fee, yes. depending on the facility. Yes. And that might be extra costs like your alcohol or yeah. hairdressing. or It's not all places, I would like to say. Yeah. You know, that is for the the facilities that are targeting yeah. targeting the people who can pay that extra. It could be you know, $20 to $50 a day yeah. to have those services available to them. Okay. Beautiful. So in that similar kind of vein, but shuffling a little bit, Mm -hmm. respite costs. Yes. So respite costs, you're looking mainly just at that basic daily fee. Yes. And so at time of recording, the maximum basic daily fee is 52.71. Yes. So if you are looking at respite, normally around that roughly $50 a day kind of mark, which as we touched on in other episodes and which will transition nicely into my next question, can be a great way of also trialing facilities and a bit of a try-before-you-buy kind of situation too. 100%. Um, and as as you said, perfect way to, to shop around, yeah. see what you like. And it's also, I guess, that break into residential aged care. It's not mm-hmm. somewhere we want people to, you know, just come for a holiday because it's fun and good. If you can stay at home safely and with loved ones, mm-hmm. that's ultimately the goal. We want people to stay at home as long as they can. Yeah. But if it gets to that step, it means that you've you've educated yep. your loved ones about it. Absolutely. They feel confident about it. They know the processes mm-hmm. around it. Yeah. Yeah. So, and this is one that I find I get asked regularly in my work and friends and family ask regularly as well. <laughs> How do you find a good facility? What makes a good facility? What are you looking for when you go in there? I would say, you know, given given COVID times, I would say if you can get into a facility, definitely go. Do a yeah. tour. Tours are a massive part of it. I look for cleanliness. So how clean mm-hmm. the facility is, uh, the staff, are they sitting around how are they interacting with the, the residents? I think that's such a big one. Yeah, <laughs> it's a huge one. So, you know, are the staff smiling? Are the residents smiling? Are the residents well-dressed? Do they have mm-hmm. makeup on? Do they have their hair done? Don't get me wrong, you're always going to have some people who refuse to have showers or refuse to, mm-hmm. like, you know, can't remember if they've 
put their clothes on correctly yep. and it's about you know you've got to allow that freedom of choice for them as well but at the same time if they're happy they're happy and mm-hmm. how happy are the people living there it's their home at yep. the end of the day you're walking into their home so have a look at yeah what that home is like and i think often one of the common misconceptions is that you know the brand new sparkling shiny facilities are the best place to be and i think whilst that can be a beautiful environment to be in and it looks fantastic, Mm. doesn't necessarily mean the staff or the care is great. And exactly so much more around yet how they're interacting with people and are the people genuinely happy? Are the staff engaging with them and having conversations? Do they know their names and what football team they go for? Those little details mean so much more than a bright shiny new place a hundred percent ultimately comes down to the care Mm -hmm. and you might have a building that is is (laughs) looking like it's still living in the 70s and it's got the shag carpets and everything but if it's getting vacuumed every day and they're happy and they're there and they're getting perfect care they're getting the checks they need they're getting the medication they need they're getting that social interaction that they need Mm -hmm. in a positive way then you couldn't choose anywhere better for them. So it's really about where someone feels comfortable and someone's happy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think so much of that too comes through word of mouth and people knowing other people that have gone in and hearing experiences from people that you trust with that too because yeah. everyone is going to have different expectations and different standards of that. You can have two people go into exactly the same situation, one family come out going, it's my favourite place in the world, I'm so glad we sent mum there and I love it, mm-hmm. and the other family go, no, you know, the soup was five degrees cold and I didn't like that. <laughs> mum's hair wasn't brushed in that particular way a certain yeah. day people it's... have different standards and it's one of the absolute joys of working in resi care because you are constantly you know people are complex and families are complex and you're constantly trying to negotiate all of those different aspects of people's care to make it feel like their home 100 percent. and we're coming out of an era where there was such a horrible light on residential aged care mm. and there should have been because it was disgusting and yeah um even you know you think recently to why we've had this royal commission but even more so to our our parents and our grandparents generations where mm-hmm. the standard of care was appalling yeah. the human there was human rights violations yeah. there was everything wrong with residential aged care so when you say that people kind of mm. stink their nose and they stink it for a reason but, you know, working in this industry, you have to be thankful for the, the Royal Commission and you're thankful for the changes that yeah. are happening and you can't get away with it anymore. And I think that's probably a really good piece of advice too is getting alongside the facility. You know, the, the vast majority of them are there with the absolute best intentions and they want the best outcome for your parents as well, mm-hmm. grandparents, parents, whoever it is that you have in there. Being the general manager of a facility, there's one thing that, I I faced on a daily basis is families just want reassurance. They just yeah. want communications and they want things to be looked into. So at the end of the day, it's just about talking to the facility. If you've mm-hmm. got a problem, talk to them. Don't bottle it up and then just spew it out to them. Mm-hmm. But also expect that things might take a little bit of time or, mm-hmm. you know, in the grand scheme of things, if your mum is holding on to dirty clothes but it's a process for her and her dementia that that's what she needs, mm-hmm. then – building a routine around her with the staff is going to take time. It's not going to be a quick Band-Aid fix or it might mm-hmm. happen again. Mm-hmm. You, If your mum's happy or your dad's happy, then that's fantastic yeah. as well. Perfect thing to touch on. In Dementia <laughs> Awareness Month. Ah, yes. <laughs> that is all we've got time for today, friends. I will see you next week for part two. Bye.